You're listening to episode 173 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is affordable travel with Matthew Backholer. You're listening to Christian Travelers Network, the podcast and platform where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hi, Christian Travelers. I'm so glad that you're here today. We're going to be talking about budget travel and how we can be more intentional with our finances while traveling. Um, And Matthew is here to talk a little bit more about that. But before we dive into that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources, and we'll be launching our online community soon. We're excited. We have a new web developer, which will hopefully hopefully get us to that launching point here in the next couple of weeks, maybe months. Um, so stay tuned. If you haven't signed up for our email list, head to our website now to do so. But without further ado, Matthew Backholer is a seasoned traveler, broadcaster, author, and co-founder of By Faith Media. As a world traveler, Matthew has visited over 40 countries and traveled the length of Africa over land, across Southeast Asia, and from Nepal to Russia via China and Magnolia. He has also survived the Trans-Siberian Railway. Hi, Matthew. How are you doing? Hi, Sarah. Uh, Very good, thank you. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. I'm so glad that you are here. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you're passionate about travel? Well, I like travel because I like short-term missions. Basically, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so when I go places, I like to share the gospel. I like to hand out uh, gospel tracts, hand out Bibles in certain types of uh, countries. So I like to go and share and tell people the good news because not everybody has an opportunity or the freedom to be able to buy a Bible or to be able to hear the good news. So when you go to these different countries, do you have to bring different translations or how do you work around that? Yes, different uh, gospel tracts in various uh, languages and especially Bibles in various languages. But thankfully, English is the travel of business and the travel of the world. So the vast majority of the countries that you can go to, there'll be people who speak English. And more importantly, they want to practice their English. And so they're happy to talk to you, to listen to you. And many people are open to the good news of eternal life, that Jesus Christ is Lord. The fact that he came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's awesome. Um, So you've experienced that many people are open to this, uh, to hearing the good news. Do you find that that is um, universal or are certain cultures more open to it than others? Well, I've been into a number of sensitive countries and some of the people are responsive, they're open. Others are really not whatsoever. And um, I remember one place who had uh, stones thrown at us. Now, that wasn't because we were sharing the good news. That's because we were white Westerners in this uh, particular type of country. And there was an ongoing war going on. This was some decades back. And they didn't really appreciate us. 
So that was a little bit tricky, but that was just one area amongst some younger people. And if we remember um, Saul from the New Testament, he was a persecutor of the early believers. Then he had his Damascus Road experience. And when he came and met Christ and Christ met with him, the whole world was turned upside down. Mm. That That's very true. Uh, so you're kind of seeking to be a witness on um, in your journeys. And you also mentioned um, in your bio that you did the Trans-Siberian Railway and that you survived. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, that was five days and four nights. And we started at Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and then ended up in Moscow, uh, Russia. And trains are very narrow, they are. And whilst we traveled first class, it was nothing like the Orient Ex Express. So it wasn't fancy. It was me and my mission partner, which is also my brother. And it was, we had a nice carriage. Sorry, we had a nice, uh, you know, carriage room. It was the whole carriage wasn't ours by any means. Um, but the guidebook says, oh, there'd be this, and you can stop here and buy this and buy that, like food and drink, you know, get your bottles of water and your fizzy pop, et cetera. And it wasn't like that at all. Um, but thankfully, we've learned from experience. You don't always take what the guidebook says. So we brought lots of supplies with us and we boiled all this uh, water before we came and poured it into these two litre empty bottles of fizzy pot. And we took it on the train with us and people were laughing their heads off. They were, some of them were. But, you know, we went, we didn't go without. Whereas other people in our carriage, they were sort of struggling to, to, to buy stuff. Because there, there wasn't these food stalls which were meant to be in these stations. Um, there was no showers as well. So, you know. Yeah. So you had to have a throw, throw your water over your wash every day and everything. Oh, wow. So we survived. But that's part of the experience traveling. You know, you encounter all these types of things. I mean, once I was on a, a grain truck for 18 hours um, from, was it? I think it was Sudan, no, Ethiopia, sorry, Ethiopia uh, to Kenya. And it was quite bordering parts of um, Sudan, Somalia. And so you had to go in a convoy, but we were on the back of this grain truck. And that was very, very uncomfortable, to say the least. Now, mm. I would never wish to repeat that experience, but nonetheless, it was an experience and something which I will never forget. And these are just some of the things you may happen when you encounter budget travels. Now, we could have hired a four by four, but that would have been really expensive and that would not have been a budget travel. <laughs> yes, so when it comes to budget travel, um, what does that look like for you? You've been to 40 different countries. Um, what are some of the things that you've uh, chosen to maybe cut back on expenses or what are some of your tips? Well. When we did Cairo to the Cape, so the whole length of uh, Africa, about six and a half month journeys down the East Coast, overland, public transport, 22,000 uh, kilometers. Okay, So you're traveling with the locals, you're having a great time, you're sharing the good news. It means you're not staying in these fancy Western branded hotels. I mean, there was one branded hotel in Khartoum, Sudan, 
and they wanted $200 a night. This is more than a decade ago. And uh, so we stayed in the hotel, which was, I think it was about 15 or $20 a night. So these are sort of, well, it still had a bed and had a shower. And so it was, uh, it was great. Um, we don't eat in fancy restaurants. We just go to like a local cafe or, you know, just a very modest type of restaurant or sometimes uh, street food. Um, also, I don't buy souvenirs. I don't buy this and I don't buy that. Now, if my shirt gets, you know, ripped to pieces or shredded, then I, then I buy a new one. I go to the local market and I haggle because in many of these countries, that is what you do. You, you haggle. And also just because somebody says, oh, the price of this product is X amount. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean it is that amount because they may sell it to a local person at a far cheaper price. But they think perhaps, ah, you're the foreign person, so you're the rich, wealthy person. Now, in many respects, I could be the rich, wealthy person, but many of these locals have their own houses and they have their own ancestral lands and all these types of things. So in reality, I may not be quite as wealthy as what they perceive I am. Mm -hmm. So you have to make intelligent uh, choices to make savings when you travel. Mm. Yeah, so it seems like you're choosing more like local and modest options versus maybe the westernized uh, things, um, and such as the hotel that you mentioned. Um, have you experienced um, more like connections with locals then as a result? Yes. Well, one of these hotels we're staying at in one of these uh, African countries, I met two Congolese refugees. And they had been in a refugee camp. It would have been in Kenya. That's right. I met them in Kenya. And they had been in this camp for 10 years. And it was very interesting chatting to these men, learning about their experience of being displaced from their country and having to go to another one. And, you know, once again, you're able to share the good news. But also, it's amazing how many believers you meet along the way. Hmm. And you get opportunities sometimes to speak at their churches or fellowships. And this is not pre-planned appointments. I mean, we went to one church in Ethiopia and we were ushered into the front, put on the front row, and they said, oh, would you like to share something? So, uh, okay then. So <laughs> I went and shared a bit, said who I am, what I'm doing. And then my you know, brother shared likewise. And uh, I kept up the communication with this uh, brother for, for email for many years. And what they needed was Bibles or money for Bibles. They couldn't obtain the word of God in the Ethiopian language, which dialect they were at. And so we we're able to, by the grace of God, uh, send them some money. This was from another Ethiopian, another African country. Um, so they were able to buy some Bibles from the local Bible society. So it's amazing these sort of connections you can meet, especially like on the buses or public transport, um, because you are mingling with people. I mean, we've been to some countries and we've basically gone there, been sent there by the Holy Spirit looking for or to help the persecuted brethren. And we had this one incredible divine, divine appointment where this lady came up to us and my brother was speaking the language, what this lady was speaking. And she said she wanted to borrow my book. It was a travel guide book. 
And I, I didn't know this person. Or I said, I'm very sorry, you, you can't do this. Because if, if we lost our book for this country, we would be in big trouble. So she went away, got another book and plonked it onto my lap. And I opened this book. I thought, this is the Bible. This is the word of God. I said to my Paul, my brother, I said, she's just put a Bible in my lap. And uh, to cut a long story short, we were able to, to, to bless her. And it was an incredibly wonderful divine appointment. And um, we never saw her again, but it was really blessing. And it was just God was so much in it and all over it. And it was God did abundantly more than we could think or even uh, imagine. Wow. So it sounds like through local connections, um... Uh, or through public transport and more local activities, you've made some great connections. How have you found these maybe local or cheaper options? Has it been advice from locals or um, what tools do you use to find these maybe more inexpensive options? Well, I very rarely pre-book accommodation simply Mm. because whenever I've pre-booked, it hasn't worked out very well at all. So usually I literally just fly into a country. We may have an option through the guidebook of a first hotel or a youth hostel or a motel or a bed and breakfast. Because in certain countries, if you ask somebody, can you take me to the local hotel? They will take you to the hotel and walk past all the other forms of accommodation because you've asked for a hotel. Um, so it's kind of important to, to know that. I mean, we were in one place in Vietnam and there were so many hotels on this one street that literally we looked in all, well, we looked in 10 of them to find the best amenities like air conditioning, uh, television, whether you got a free breakfast, complimentary breakfast for the best price. Um, so it's a bit of, you know, shopping around, searching around, but these, you know, Many of the missions I go on, they're three months, three and a half months, six and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I've gone to places in North Africa for two weeks, I remember once I booked up a hotel for the first night once. And after that, literally just go to the next town and you just ask around and you knock on the door. And if they say it's going to be so much, uh, you sort of like, mm, and, uh, oh, it's quite expensive. Have you got anything cheaper? And most of the time they have, but you have to ask, be polite, haggle. I mean, most of the times when I've traveled, I've traveled with a backpack. I'm not wearing a suit. I'm not wearing a tie. I don't look very wealthy at all. Um, So that helps. I look smart, but you know. Yeah, minimalist in a way. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so you're willing to strike up conversations with complete strangers. You're willing to haggle. Um, if someone's maybe never haggled before, what advice uh, would you give them? Never take advantage of the seller. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is all those pennies or those cents will make all the difference in the world to the seller, but not to us. We may buy a coffee or a cappuccino or a, or a fizzy drink, and it is whatever it is, $3, $5. Many people will buy this every day. So don't take advantage of the person at the other end who perhaps lives a very 
difficult existence, a hand-to-mouth existence. So, you know, don't take advantage of the people, but understand, you know, the price isn't necessarily what they say is. I mean, we went to one market in Cambodia. We needed to buy a T-shirt. We said, oh, how much are these T-shirts? And he said, like, oh, $7 or $10. Okay. Now, do you have any $5 T-shirts? And he said, okay, yes, these are the $5 T-shirts here. And so just, you know, these are the $5 T-shirts. This is what I'm going to pick from, you know. Yeah. Okay. So just kind of continuing to ask them questions um, and being respectful and not taking advantage. How do you know that you're not pushing them too far or haggling below what's reasonable? Uh, A number of countries I've haggled with people and I bought the stuff and I wear a pair of glasses. This is before I wore proper glasses, but some, you know, shades and everything. And if I walked away and they started laughing, I knew I had been taken advantage of. But if I was happy with the purchase in the first place, then that was okay. I mean, you have the parable of Jesus and he, he asked the people to go and work in the, in, the, in the field, in the vineyards at various times of the day. And they all agreed to denarius. And at the end, the people who worked the shortest amount of time still got paid the same amount as those who worked full labor of the day. Mm. But he said, did you not agree? And so if you make an agreement and they laugh at you once you've paid, well, everyone's a winner, really. And like I said, you know, they may you may have paid one dollar extra. Well, that dollar may really make a difference in their lives. Mm. And if they take advantage of everybody, well, that's between them and God. I mean, whilst we, you know, we should be looking after the cents and the dollars will look after themselves. Um, some people do need a bit more than us. Yeah. We are privileged living in the West. We do get good wages. I mean, that is the bottom line. Um, certain countries, there, there's health care and wealth, you know, uh, government aid, etc. And in a lot of these countries, there is none of that. And if they don't make their money for the day, they or their families may go hungry. Yeah. So it's an opportunity to be a blessing. And um, I, I like that comparison with uh, the denarius that, you know, whatever your agreement is um, to honor it and that the Lord sees what's going on and that if they're, they're um, taking advantage of us, that it is between them and God. Yeah. On the other hand, I've heard um, from a missionary once that he was serving a, in a congregation and as Westerns in that church community, um, sometimes when we give generously or give too much, then um, it almost hurts the congregation because they begin to plan for things and expecting to continue to have that level of money. So that missionary had encouraged us to give a smaller amount and then give to our church home um, with what are the rest of our normal tithe. Um, What are your thoughts on that or giving in general? Well, I, I believe in timing. For me, I believe ten percent is a bare uh, minimum. You know, first of all, we're called to give of ourselves. It tells us in Romans twelve to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice under God. Now, Martin uh, Luther, the man of the Reformation, five hundred years ago, he said there was two forms of conversion. One was of the heart, and the other one was of the purse or, or the money belt. And I think it's a very 
true indication of a man or a woman what they do with their uh, disposable income. Now we're called to be led of the spirit. And so we should be open, willing and available to what the Holy Spirit tells us in relation to uh, giving. But if you're part of a, a mission organization or, or a charity, then obviously you have to submit to them and their headship and, and what they say. And throughout the history of missions, there's been this problem of uh, the Westerners wanting to do everything or the home support giving. And then the, the church in the country cannot become uh, self-supporting. And in many of these countries where these home churches are not self-supporting, when the country is like close to missionaries or, or, or terrible persecution comes or these various other effects, sometimes that church itself will fold, which is unfortunate because mm. the locals have not learned to stand on their own two feet, uh, so to speak. But I think we should, you know, be generous givers. You know, Sarah tells us in the Bible, God loves a generous giver. But that doesn't mean we should be silly and like a cash cow and dispose money to anybody and everybody. Now, Jesus said, you know, give to him who asks of you. But he also said, you will always have the poor with you. So they're sort of like the conundrum. You can't help everybody, but you can help some people. And I think we need to be wise in what we do. I remember one Bible teacher, he said, look, in this particular country, if you give somebody a pair of shoes, don't be surprised if they ask you for a pair of socks, because there's no harm in asking. And that was the, 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 the thing, the culture of the country. There's no harm in asking. And one of the things I've written in my mission books, in my travel books is, if we were in their situation, we would probably ask somebody else who we perceive to be more wealthier to help us in our time of need as well. That's good. It's definitely a wrestling between uh, giving too much and um, almost helping so much you're hurting um, and how to be in tune with the spirit then to uh, give where the need is best. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of nearing the end of this episode. Can Are there any other tips that you have for budget travel or for Christian travelers in general? Shop around, uh, haggle. Just because somebody says an item or something is worth X amount of money, it doesn't mean it necessarily is. If somebody tells you that you can take this coach to that country, crossing a border doesn't necessarily mean you can. We've had people try, try to sell us tickets to places which don't even exist or in the opposite direction of where you want to go. So it's very handy to have a map. Now, sometimes you can't get from A to C, but you have to go via B, which is, you know, maybe it's more northerly or more easterly or, or westerly. So sometimes there's not direct uh, connections. Local knowledge is wonderful. Ask people, what is there to do in this area? And there's so much beauty in God's creation around the countryside and everything. I mean, it's interesting, you know, Jesus sent the 12 out on short-term mission. And then he sent the 70 out on short-term mission. 
And then he tells the rest of us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, which is the Great Commission. And that is a command to be obeyed. But we have to be intelligent, sensible. And, you know, we don't want to be boasting or bragging about our wealth or anything. This this is our perceived wealth. We have to be humble. We're called to be uh, ambassadors for Christ, which meant, which basically means we're meant to be good representatives of the king and his uh, kingdom. But shop around. You know, do your research thoroughly before you go. I mean, if people had bought a book on travel or a book on short-term missions, they would alleviate so many problems before they left just for the sake of a $15 book or there's so much stuff. You know, look at all your podcasts. People could learn so much from what you've already spoken about, your, your other guests, etc. And, um, you know, go forth into the kingdom and be sensible with your finances and travel on a budget. Thank you. Um, you've mentioned a book a couple times. Do you have a certain like travel guide or author that you go to when looking for information about certain places? Um, Operation World is very good in relation to the like religion, history of a country. Um, mm -hmm. I use a few uh, secular uh, travel books. I've written five books myself in relation to mission and travel. Um, how to plan, prepare, and successfully complete your short-term missions, uh, short-term missions, a Christian guide, uh, budget travel, and uh, my latest one is travel the world for less than $50 a day. And I can, I, I wrote them, but they are really good resources, I can assure you. <laughs> Written from experience. Yes, that's amazing. Um, uh, in light of those books, um, do you have any particular tips or things that you'd highlight um, how to travel for less than 50 or etc? Do your research beforehand. Uh, travel light. You know, don't expect five star accommodation when you want to spend one star money. Um, but like I said, travel light. Do your research. Avoid Western branded places if you want some fast food go it's cheap you know if you want to eat some street food most of the time it's really excellent just make sure it's really cooked really well on the fire or on the oil bubbling you know that's that kind of thing um a basic thing is shop around for the price of a bottle of water i mean i've been in shops and they've got the the retail price or the recommended retail price whether it's for a bottle of water a bottle of fizzy and the shopkeeper wants to charge an exorbitant amount. Now, if it's traveled high up, you know, on a mountain, then I understand they want more. But the next shop may sell it for what it actually is. But if you look how many bottles of water we drink a day over a six-month trip, it adds up. And it's a case of trying to make those little savings consistently across the board. And also budget by keeping a notepad of how much you spend every day. You may want to do it on your smartphone. I do it every day and then I calculate it for the week and I calculate it for the month. So I try to keep within a uh, budget that way. Very nice. Well, Matthew, these have been some amazing tips. One of the questions I always ask our guests is what has been the biggest God moment in all of your travels? That would have been in 2003. Uh, my brother and I were on a, a trip. It was a two day trip. 
I mean, it was a three and a half month trip, but it was two days. We're going from India to Kathmandu, Nepal. And so it was about one o'clock in the morning. We weren't sure whether we were going to get into the capital or not that night. And the Holy Spirit said, man's going to come onto this bus, this coach. He's going to come up to you, follow him, go to his hotel. And lo and behold, this bus stopped outside of the capital. All these sort of touts got on. And this one man took a beeline to my brother and I. We were sat probably about halfway down the coach. He told us, told us about his hotel and we went there. It was, it was a beautiful hotel. And for the next week, we were a little bit unwell, altitude sickness. I mean, Kathmandu is, is nearly well, 4,600 feet, so 1,400 meters. I live barely above sea level. And so the altitude was, we weren't used to the acclimatization. So we had this amazing hotel where we were able to recuperate for a few weeks, ready to go on to the next part of the trip. But because of that, I've never concerned myself in relation to accommodation because God will always come through. Mm. He, say, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So for me, I've totally and utterly trusted him, especially in relation to accommodation because of that one incredible incident. Amen. Um, that leads me actually to another question. For some people, um, they might not be so in tune with the Lord and just hearing his voice, hearing him speak into their life like that. What advice would you have for them? Spend time in the word of God, in the Bible, read it, but also apply it, but also in your you know time of, of, of prayer. You know, it's speaking, petitioning, but it's also listening. You know, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? I mean, when we travel, we pray for divine appointments, that God would bring the right person or persons across our path, or we will have these connections with these organizations. But it's a basically, it's investing time. It's a relationship with God, like a relationship with any person you wish to spend time with them, you know, to know them, to talk to them, to have fellowship with them. And it's not a, a shopping list of, I want this, I want that. You know, the Bible says about praying forth more laborers into God's harvest field. So say, God, please raise people and send them forth so they can go and travel and they can tell the good news. And God may send you. Yes, and that's really good advice. Um, and thank you so much for uh, sharing your story today. How can our listeners connect with you outside of today's episode? Uh, byfaith.org or social media, um, at byfaithmedia or forward slash byfaithmedia. Wonderful. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for being a guest today. We've really enjoyed having you on here. Thank you very much for your time and for the invite. Thank you. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that this episode has been encouraging for you and that you will consider checking out By Faith Media and also put some of these things into action with your next travel. Consider how you can potentially save and budget. And as Matthew said, uh, be willing to shop around, talk with locals and engage with them um, and step away from some of those Western culture hotels and accommodations to uh, save 
and be able to spend your finances on other aspects of travel. Um, if you're looking for similar episodes, I encourage you to check out episode 172, How to Create a Vacation Budget, or episode 20, How Generosity Impacts Travel. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.